You're listening to the Holy Hot Mess Mom podcast. This is my little corner of the podcasting universe. I'm Heather, and in this space, we're going to talk about everything faith, marriage, family, parenting, happy, sad, hilarious, homemaking, you name it, and we're probably going to talk about it. We all know life can be a huge, hilarious, beautiful disaster of a hot mess some days, but it's your hot mess, the one God's given to you and only you. So here we're just going to own it and find our halo in the midst of the messiness. I'm really excited you're here. Let's chat. Hey everyone. So I'm back with another episode regarding this crazy pandemic and it's not even necessary pandemic like related, but we're in a very strange time as the church, as a church. And I think in this time, there's either going to be two extremes when this pandemic is over. There are people that are going to be like, oh, well, I didn't need God. I didn't see God and, you know, fall away from their faith or fall away more. Or there's going to be people that spent this time longing so much for God. And I think, I hope and pray that everybody is in the latter, but it's a huge fear that everybody can be in the former part. And I know that it's very easy to be like, oh, it's a pandemic, like stay at home orders. Like, let's just put on Netflix and, and hang out and eat all the chips in the house. But I think it's really important to remember that something our Protestant brothers and sisters do very well that I think Catholics can really learn from is that God does not only exist in the church and the tabernacle, like because of our baptism, he exists within each and every single one of our souls. And he's there longing for us all the time. So if you're feeling this longing, like, I wish I was receiving communion. I wish I could go to confession. I wish I could do all those things. Like those are beautiful longings and you need to grab onto that and, and let your soul thirst for him. So So I'm looking up the I Thirst Meditation by Mother Teresa. And I'm going to try to read just a little bit of it because it's absolutely glorious. And I, (laughs) but I feel like we should all plaster this, you know, in every room of our house to remind us that, you know, if we're on social media two, three hours a day, we're on Netflix two hours a day. It's like, how much time did we spend with our soulmate? And it's really, really easy for me to feel so disconnected from God because I'm not able to receive the sacraments. But although the sacraments are what makes us Catholics, we have these physical gifts given to God to show us the inward gifts he's given us in his graces. I think this is a very important time for us to realize that God gave us the church, but he also gave us the tabernacle of our bodies and that we have to, he longs so badly for us. And so just, just like you long so badly to get out of your house, to be able to go to the grocery store, like a normal person, like he longs for you and we need to long for him back. Like that's the whole point of our relationship is that he just wants us to want him as much as he wants us. You know, and the the only way you can develop a relationship with somebody is if you get to know them. And when you get to know them, you will inherently trust them more. And when you inherently trust them more, you will start to surrender more to them because you trust that they won't hurt you. 
Um, you trust that every path they take you on would be a solid one, even if it doesn't feel solid. And right now we're on a very rocky path. So this is the I Thirst Meditation from Mother Teresa. So she wrote this. And if you don't know much about her, she was a very deeply troubled person spiritually. She felt most of her life very distant to God, distant from God. But she's a saint in the church because she continued to die to herself. Because the more we can die to ourself and die to our selfishness and die to our wants and open up to God's will, we make space in our souls to allow him to flood himself in. But if we're consumed in selfishness and hoarding toilet paper and woe is me, like when can I leave my house, boo-hoo, instead of the dying to yourself to let others live, to let Christ live within you, then you're not going to grow in your faith. So I'm going to read a little bit of this I Thirst Meditation. And she wrote this from this perspective of Jesus. So, you know, if you could close your eyes and think of Jesus writing this letter to you. I might even end up just reading the whole thing. It is true. I stand at the door of your heart day and night, even when you are not listening, even when you doubt it could be me. I'm there, waiting for even the smallest signal of your response, even the smallest suggestion of an invitation that will permit me to enter. I want you to know that each time you invite me, I do always come without fail. Silent and invisible, I come. Yet with a power and love most infinite, bringing my many gifts of my spirit, I come with my mercy, with my desire to forgive and to heal, to heal you with a love for you that goes beyond your comprehension. A love in each detail so grand, like the love I have received from my father, quote, I have loved all of you as the Father has loved me. John 15, 10. I come longing to console you and to give you strength, to lift you up and bind all your wounds. I bring you my light to dispel your darkness and all your doubts. I come with my power that allows me to carry you, with my grace to touch your heart and transform your life. I come with my peace to calm your soul. I know you like the palm of my hand. I know everything about you. Even the hairs on your head I have counted. Nothing in your life is unimportant to me. I have followed you through the years. I have always loved you, even when you have strayed. I know every one of your problems. I know your needs. I know your worries. And yes, I know all of your sins. But I tell you again, even despite that, that I love you. Not for what you have or have ceased to do, I love you for you, for the beauty and dignity my father gave you by creating you in his own image. It's a dignity you have often forgotten, a beauty you have tarnished by sin, but I love you just as you are. And I have shed my blood to rescue you. If only you ask me with faith, my grace will touch all that needs changing in your life. I will give you strength to free yourself from sin and from all its destructive power. I know what's in your heart. I know your loneliness and all your wounds, the rejections, the judgments, the humiliations. I carried it all before you and I carried it all for you so that you could share my strength and my victory. I know above all your need for love, how much you're thirsting for love and tenderness. Yet 
How many times have you desired to satisfy your thirst in vain, seeking that love with selfishness, trying to fill the void within you with passing pleasures, with even greater emptiness of sin? Do you thirst for love? Come to me, all you who thirst. I will satisfy and fill you. Do you thirst to be loved? I love you more than you can imagine to the point of dying on a cross for you. I thirst for you. Yes, that's the only way to even begin to describe my love for you. I thirst for you. I thirst to love you and to be loved by you. So precious are you to me that I thirst for you. Come to me and I will fill your heart and heal your wounds. I will make you a new creation and give you peace even in your trials. I thirst for you. You must never doubt my mercy, my desire to forgive, my longing to bless you and live my life in you, and that I accept you no matter what you have done. I thirst for you. If you feel of little value before the eyes of the world, it doesn't matter. There's no one that interests me in the whole world than you. I thirst for you. Open up to me. Come to me. Thirst for me. Give me your life. I will prove to you how important you are for my heart. Don't you realize that my father has already a perfect plan to transform your life beginning from this moment? Trust in me. Ask me every day to enter and to take charge of your life, and I will. I promise you before my father in heaven that I will work miracles in your life. Why would I do this? Because I thirst for you. And all I ask is for you that you entrust yourself to me completely. I will do all the rest. From this moment now, I behold the place my father has prepared for you in my kingdom. Remember that you are a pilgrim in this life traveling back home. Sin can never satisfy you or bring you the peace you seek. All that you have sought outside of me has only left you more empty. So do not tie yourself to things of this world. Above all, do not run from me when you fall. Come to me without delay, because when you give me your sins, you give me the joy of being your savior. There's nothing I cannot forgive that I cannot heal. So come now and unburden your soul. No matter how far you have strayed without a destination, no, how, no matter how often you have forgiven me, have forgotten me, no matter how many crosses you bear in this life, I want you to always remember one thing that will never change. I thirst for you, just as you are. You don't need to change to believe in my love, for it will be your confidence in me that will make you change. You forget me, and yet I'm seeking you every moment of the day, standing before the doors of your heart and calling. Do you find this difficult to believe? If so, look at the cross. Look at my heart that was pierced for you. Have you not understood my cross? Then listen again to the words I spoke there, for they tell you clearly why I endured this for you. I thirst. Yes, I thirst for you. As the rest of the psalm I was praying says to me, I waited uselessly for compassion. I waited for someone to console me and I did not find it. All your life I've been desiring your love. I've never ceased searching for your love and longing to be loved by you in return. You've tried many things in your goal to be happy. Why not try opening up for me, your heart, right now, more than you ever have before? When you finally open the doors of your heart and you finally come close enough, you will then hear me say again and again, not in mere human words, but in spirit, no matter what you have done, I love you for your own sake. Come to me with your misery, your sins, your problems and needs, and with all your desire to be loved. I stand at the door of your heart and call, open to me. I thirst for you. 
Jesus is God, therefore his love and his thirst are infinite. He's the creator of the universe, asked for the love of his creation, of his creatures. He has thirst for our love. These words, I thirst, do they echo in your soul? Okay, so that's like one of my most favorite things to read because I think it gives all of us the perspective of God's desire for us. Like we, we as Christians have a different perspective and relationship with God than our other monotheolithic, monotheolithic, whatever, singular God religions out there. So Muslims have this king and servant relationship with God. They obey him without question because they don't want to anger their master. And Jews have a very obedient relationship with God as well. And this is something that I don't think is talked about enough in the Catholic life. This, so Islam has this king to his subjects relationship. Judaism has this love of God that's strong, but somehow lacks this human face because it lacks the human face of God. So their, their love is still distant in that obedience. But for us, our Christian relationship with God has to be a continual spiritual growth in relationship with our father in this concept of this unrelenting forgiveness. And when we're stripped from the church, it's like that grandeur and the, the presence of the Eucharist. It can make you feel even more distant, especially when things are crazy. It's like, where's God right now? And I think this is a really strong, important time to develop your own spiritual growth. Like, where are you as a Christian? Are you a child? Are you an adolescent? Are you an adult? Or do you have this mature faith that we should all be striving for? You know, for me, honestly, I feel like I teeter between the the adolescent and the adult faith, but I don't know if I've even really attained mature faith yet. And there's a father, Father Benedict Golschel, Groschel? I don't know how to say his last name. He wrote a book titled, I'm With You Always. And it's this study of the devotion of Jesus through the entire history of Christianity. And he, discuss, he discusses all the spiritual growth that telling us that it comes from basically this awareness within yourself of the longing for Christ's presence because he longs for us. So if you can meditate on that I thirst meditation, it's like understanding that your holes, your longing for fulfillment in materialism, in relationships, in, you know, maybe even finding it in places like sexual pleasure or what was that falling outside? (laughs) Did you hear that? I think it was the dog bowl that I set on top of the chimney. I think it fell over like in wind or something. Um, sorry. So basically it's 
this personal relationship with with God has to come from us being aware of the fact of how hard he thirsts for us and then uncovering the fact that the voids we're trying to fill in our life is actually us thirsting for him. Okay? That will allow you to deepen your relationship with him, to therefore begin to trust him more, and then to be able to surrender to him all of our needs. Because the whole point of sainthood is to get to heaven. How do you get to heaven? To get to heaven, your will is perfectly aligned with that will of God. That is why we can quote unquote pray to the saints. That's why we can ask Mary and the saints for their intercession. Because if they do something for us, if they're in heaven, it cannot be separated from the will of God. Because they are perfectly united with the will of God, that's why they are in heaven. So if you say, you know, St. Joseph, I'm having trouble selling my house or whatever. Like you pray this novena to St. Joseph and, and, and your house is sold. You can know that that's the will of God because number one, God wouldn't have allowed it of one of his servants, his children living in heaven with him, existing in heaven, united with this, his pure will. That's the purification we have to go through in, pure, in purgatory is to remove all of our willfulness, our self-will. Our, we have to deny ourselves enough so that our will is perfectly confined with God and then we are fully united with him in heaven. So how do we go about transforming in these like times of the desert? Like we're kind of in the 40 days of the desert. Like this is the most Lent Lent ever, you know? And it's worth a pause where you sit back and you go, okay, where is my faith? Like, do I have faith as a child? Which is this purely emotional level, like believing in Santa. You can tell you're at that level if you're attempting to manipulate God by your prayer and your good works and your supplication. Like, like, are your prayers just like, if I plead enough to God, he will answer me. And I feel like that's where my spiritual growth was when I went to confession for the first time in 19 years in 2006, no, 2013. It was like, I thought like, okay, if I follow the rules God set, then God will give me a child that I desire. And it's like, God uses that childlike need of our soul to draw us in, but you can't sit there. You can't stay in there. It's like the, the ability to manipulate God is not the point of a relationship. No healthy relationship exists out of manipulation. So then, you know, you could progress to this adolescent faith where you're not really conceiving God as this like, crazy old man Santa in the sky who grants wishes, but you start to kind of understand God as the spirit and you become a little intellectual and speculative. Like, okay, but I can't see him. I can't touch him. I can't hear him. Like, but bad things happen in the world. This is when you start to doubt things. And I think a lot of people spend their entire life living here, like living here, just doubting. But what is the point of doubt if you let it sit as doubt? But if you turn doubt into a question and you seek the answer, I will tell you every single person, every single theological 
Catholic Christian I've ever met will tell you, the more you question God, the more you will be pointed towards the church. Like the truth is contained within the church. And the more you seek to the, to answer these questions you have, the more you're going to move towards that adulthood faith where the answer that are, that are there for you in our history, in our tradition, in the Bible, in scripture, in our sacraments. So we can't live as these adolescents. We have to go into this adult faith. And to understand that God wants us to change is not that he doesn't love you who you are. It's that you have to understand that any of these bad choices you have made is not you reaching your highest potential. That's what God wants of you. He wants your highest potential and your highest potential is to be united with him. To unite your will to him. And, and a lot of the ways we can do that is by participating in the sacraments, going to mass, going to confession. But it's like, how do we do that when we're on quarantine in our homes? I will say that you have to let all of the parts of you that keep you from God, that keep you from Christ, fall away. Because when you make room in your soul for that, God will grow like wildflowers, just unrelenting in your soul. And he'll take up that space. And when he takes up that space, he guards you from, and he gives you the strength to let those sinful, selfish things come in. So some of the ways in these crazy times that we can continue to really seek this relationship with him is to make yourself reverent and go to mass daily, even if it's virtually. And I will tell you having so many little kids at home, like the idea of going to mass daily is like the lifetime goal. And I know everybody says like, oh, you're going to miss them when they're older. But it's like right now in my spirituality, I wish I could go to mass every single day at 8 a.m. But I can't like it's not happening and I mean I could but I would hate my life the whole time and that's not the point of worship is not to start my day off horribly yelling at my kids because they're misbehaving because I'm trying to keep four kids six and under behaving in a pew at church but somebody made some website mass-online.org and you can literally look up a calendar and they have volunteers around the clock who are just stream like putting links to be able to stream daily masses online. And I was able to attend daily mass for our priest that we had in New York, who I haven't seen in a year and a half and who we love dearly. And to be able to hear his voice again was so wonderful. They have links for mass in Ireland and England and Italy and Canada and DC and like you can watch Father Mike Schmitz say mass so like make your give yourself the spiritual nourishment of being able to put mass on TV but don't just put it on put a pillow on the ground sit on your couch kneel when it's time to kneel you know make an act of spiritual communion you can google that uh, let me google it An act of spiritual communion. So 
saying something during the communion rite, like, my Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. But since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart and let me embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So you can literally type that, type in act of spiritual communion. So do that, you know, during communion and make sure you're making the act of contrition during mass, you know, the confessor, my God, I'm heartily sorry for all my sins. I confess to almighty God, to you, my brothers and sisters, like make those things, have your kids be like, okay, we're going to get dressed for the day. Cause we're going to have mass. We're going to watch the Pope say mass, like whatever. Take advantage of those abilities to spiritually commune and to make, make your confessions that way. Another thing is to really grow in a relationship with, with our blessed mother. And if anybody experienced hardship and desolation as a fully, fully human, no God component in her being, it would be her. And because she is in heaven, she is fully united with the will of God. The only thing she ever served a purpose for on this earth was to point us to her son. So let her point you, you know, let her know your frustrations with your kids. Let her know, you know, your worries and your fears and maybe start a consecration where you spend every morning learning about our lady and learning how to surrender yourself to her care, to her nurturing motherly care, because since she's fully united with Christ, like there's nothing but God's will that can come out of surrendering yourself to her care. Another thing you can do is really start to develop your life of prayer. Set, you know, your alarm for noon to be, to say the Angelus with your kids. Stop what you're doing. Say the Angelus 3 PM. Stop what you're doing and say the divine mercy chaplet. I have got my Christian prayer book that I didn't even realize I had shorter Christian prayer to pray the um, liturgy of the hours so that you are praying the common prayer. So it says, um, I'm trying to read. So the witnesses of the early church teach us that an individual Christian's devoted themselves to prayer at fixed times. Then in different places, the custom soon grew, assigning special times to common prayer. For example, the last hour of the day when evening draws on and the lamp is lighted or in the first hour when the night draws to close when rising with the day star. In the course of the time, the hours came to be sanctified by common prayer. These were seen by the fathers as foreshadowed as the acts of the apostles. So... They went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Like, so this communal prayer time, so this time, this kind of common prayer, like ordered around this, these common hours. So the liturgy of the hours, or it's also called the divine office is enriched by like readings. Um, and it's basically prayers of praise and petition and it's the universal prayer that everybody throughout the entire world of the church is praying with Christ and to Christ. So 
you can get this shorter Christian prayer book or you can open the Laudate app or the church, um, the iBrevary app, and I'll link to both of those. But both of those have it for you. And you can literally click morning prayer, evening prayer, daytime prayer. We have a friend who is in seminary who, when a when somebody is ordained to the diaconate, they make a promise to pray this every day for the rest of their life. Um, and so they're praying, I think, morning and evening prayer. And so when... What Seth told me is to start with the evening prayer because it's much shorter. He's, the morning prayer is much more involved. So start with the evening prayer, maybe add in a daily hour prayer, but set an alarm on your phone and make sure that that's a priority you're doing in your life to kind of make this entire life full of prayer. That's me drinking my water. Okay. Um, the other thing is to... Really spend your time to encounter God in the scriptures. And our priest at our church here told us to really dive into the Psalms right now. So maybe start at the first Psalm and just spend two or three days reading that Psalm. Maybe write it out and circle words that stand out to you. Like, yes, sola scriptura, scriptura is is a fallacy. Like, we are not meant to completely 100% whatever the scripture speaks to me, that's what it is. Like we are given the church to help write our path when we try to formulate God's word into what we want to hear instead of what he's trying to tell us. But at the same time, that does not mean that we can't sit in silent meditative prayer and think like, what is God telling me right now? So meditate on that, pray on that, you know, sit there in the morning and think, Okay, God, I'm inviting you into this space. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Read that scripture and think think out loud. What is God telling me for my life? What do I need to apply from this in my life? Maybe what prayer is he prompting me to say to him? What area of my life is he asking for improvement? What person maybe is coming to mind that he wants me to pray for? So really try to encounter God in the scriptures. Clearly it's 1030 and I'm getting tired. So encounter God in the scriptures in those ways. You know, even Jesus himself, who was God, woke up early in the morning to go get his direction in a silent, deserted place away from everybody else to get direction from the Father for his day. You know, he could have gone around just healing and perfecting everything, but he went to the Father so that his, you know, he and the Father were perfectly in line. And God didn't ask him to heal everyone. God asked him to do specific missions. And so, you know, what is God asking us to do in this time? What is he prompting us to do, to, to be for other people, to pray, what model, what things are, what sins is he asking us to shed? So open up your Bible and start working through the Psalms. And then the last thing is to really start learning about those who have already reached the finish line about the saints. Like, like there were saints that were in Auschwitz. There were saints that were, you know, chastised or had to, that were hermits or, you know, 
were in the catacombs living their faith in secret and not being able to worship publicly, like, let's relate to those. There were saints who lived during epidemics, who were nurses, who were doctors. Like, let's follow their lead and learn from them how we can use these times of living in the desert to really get truly thirsty for God. And I say read that I thirst meditation on the daily because that thing is powerful. Like I haven't read it in months and that reading out loud was like hitting me deep in the soul. Like it was in intensely in the soul. So that's your homework. Go get your best friend relationship with Jesus on. And um, another episode I've got planned is talking about like a 40 minute wake up, wake up an hour before everybody else, give God 40 minutes and like get your life together in that time to really start cultivating your life of prayer and starting the day off that way. So there will be an episode about that coming out soon. This episode is over, but you can find lots more on my blog, holyhotmessmom.com. There you can find all the links mentioned in this episode or in the show notes of whichever app you're listening to this episode in. Come connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Holy Hot Mess Mom. Come say hi, ask questions, give me a topic suggestion, but most importantly, if you enjoy this podcast, do me a huge favor and give it a rating and review in whichever podcast app you listen to it in. The more wonderful reviews we have, the wider we can reach with our support, tips, laughs, and encouragement. So until next time.